0: Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good afternoon, everybody. You're so welcome. If we haven't met yet, I'm Andy. I'm the senior pastor here. If you are a guest or a visitor, uh, if you've just kind of joined us, we hope you feel very much at ease and at home. Can, can I just say, if you've never um, had the uh, opportunity or perhaps the courage to set your alarm for two or three in the morning to come to a prayer room can I really challenge you to do that Saturday week there's something happens to us as we think about the idea of pilgrimage um, of embodying our priorities Um, like one of the things I'm I'm not going to do a whole sermon on this but I think it is important one of the things that I always think is interesting is when we sing songs like um, I'll throw up my hands and praise you again and again but we sing them like this And we practice a dislocation between what we're saying and what we're doing. And I'm not having a go with any of you, and I know we're all on a journey of all those sorts of things, but there's a really important thing that we need to do is learning how to actually embody the things that we say are important to us. And I don't know what your relationship with sleep is. Sleep's more important to me than money, um, and um, seems to be harder to get as well. Um, but for me, the, the ultimate declaration of uh, Jesus being important in my life is actually getting up early uh, for him, and I uh, fail and succeed uh, regularly at both. But Saturday week, you have an opportunity to say something to to God in setting your alarm for two or three in the morning and making the pilgrimage uh, here to, to worship and to pray. So Uh, We're really, really excited about our week of prayer and would love you to join in. My grandfather used to say, uh, in all sorts of different contexts and times, he used to say, start as you mean to go on. It's a wonderful Northern Irish expression, isn't it? Some of you will be really familiar with it. When Dana and I do like marriage preparation with people, um, we often get them to describe uh, the priorities in their week or what they think the priorities of their week will be once they get married. And often the question is kind of, well, we're not really sure. Like, I guess we'll do our jobs and, you know. And for us, we always go, well, you know, it's really important to start as you mean to go on. So if spending time together is really, really important then you're going to need to actually plan that. There's some intention required uh, around that. Financially, what are, your, what are your plans? Are you going to just live to the maximum of your combined income now? Or are you going to think about margin and saving and all that kind of stuff? Start as you mean to go on. It's really, really important. Beginnings matter. It's one of the reasons why I took Dana to Glencoe in the Scottish Highlands on our honeymoon. I was laying the groundwork for where we now live. And for any of you who don't know, we live in the Dramar Hills on the side of a mountain, and I started that project 14 years ago. (laughs) Um, But just over 10 years ago, um, when the Wilkinson family and Dana and I uh, got together and started to talk and dream and pray about what we now know as Lagan Valley Vineyard, uh, one of the things I love with life with Jesus is that he um, takes us from places where things are not to where things actually are. And there was a time when all of this was just a dream. Um, there was an amazing thing happened yesterday on the streets where uh, an individual gave their lives to Jesus for the very first time as our hot team were out on the streets. And I was chatting to William as he came in there and he said, that's pretty much happening every time they're out since October that every time they go on the streets they meet people who say yes to surrendering their lives to Jesus uh, for the first time that life with God takes us to places where things aren't become things that are and there was a time when this was not anything other than a mad idea of something that God might uh, do. And as Mark and Yvette and Dean and I were dreaming and praying and talking, there was a passage of scripture that was really, really important to us. And any of you that have been around or newcomers or have been here for any length of time, at some point or another will have heard us reference uh, Isaiah chapter 61. And we realized in the autumn, as we did our 10th anniversary celebration, that as important as this passage was for our beginnings, as important as it has been in terms of setting some of our priorities, we've never actually taken the time uh, to walk through it on a Sunday morning and teach through uh, this passage. And so we're going to do this for the next sort of six or eight, eight weeks. Uh, we're going to reflect on Isaiah 61 together. So if you have a Bible, Isaiah chapter 61, you can turn there now, if, the, if a black Bible sitting beside you, Um, it's page 511, you can turn there, Isaiah chapter 61, Uh, these are some of the words that literally gave birth to this community. Come Holy Spirit, Isaiah chapter 61, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations strangers will shepherd your flocks foreigners will work your fields and vineyards and you will be called priests of the lord you will be named ministers of our god you will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast instead of your shame you will receive a double portion instead of disgrace you will rejoice in your inheritance and so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adores his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the young plant come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations." Father, we thank you for your word, and we humbly say, come and speak to us, in Jesus' name, amen. So these uh, words feel like a really brilliant place uh, to begin, not just because we're beginning a new year, not just... um, because they were the words that kind of fueled the beginning of our church journey together. But for many of you, you will recognize these were the words that Jesus himself chose to proclaim as he began his public ministry. You can find one of the accounts of that in Luke chapter 4. You can park that in your brain and maybe read it this afternoon. We don't have time to go through it all uh, today. But in Luke 4... We read about Jesus choosing these words as he began his public ministry. Just by way of context, before that, Christmas has been and gone. Jesus has grown up. He's done his education. He's apprenticed himself to his dad, most likely, He's been baptized publicly by John in the River Jordan. He's been led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Luke records this interesting detail that after his testing in the wilderness, Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to teach in churches all around Galilee. And the scriptures record that the people were amazed. That there was something about what Jesus was both saying and doing that was amazing people. And the rumor about Joseph's son started to spread throughout the region. And then he shows up to preach at his home church. Now, I don't know if you live now where you grew up, but there's a really interesting thing that happens as you become an adult and stay around the place that you grow up. And I guess this is what happens when you're nearly 40. I now find myself meeting people in certain contexts or places and meeting their children and doing that thing. The last time I saw you, you were only that size, right? Right? And um, we're at that stage now where Nora's going to open days and different schools and all that sort of stuff. And uh, she will go to Banbridge Academies open day in the next week or two. And she's going to meet, and I'm going to go with her, and we'll meet people that taught me. And that's going to be a wonderful moment. And I know exactly how that's going to feel whenever I see teachers that taught me. And I'm now there with my 11-year-old. Right? There's something that happens in the places that we grow up where we are always kind of seen as the person that we were. And we don't really, uh, we're not given the blessing of room to change. And this really interesting thing happens when Jesus shows up in his home church and the rumors have been spreading about this amazing guy and they're all most likely being like Joseph's kid, like I mean that really annoying teenager that used to, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And he preaches his sermon and then after, as you'll see in just a minute, um, the people are so offended that they run him out of the church and they take him to the top of a hill and their plan is to throw him off. Like if you, if you think you get a frosty reception around people that you grew up around, I'm confident not many of you are marched to the top of a hill to be uh, discarded off it. And this is not today's talk, but it is an important detail to notice. That oftentimes, when people get around the words of Jesus, there is yes, comfort, there is yes, inspiration, but when it's really Jesus, there is also offense. There are things that we assume to be true, cultural narratives that we have bought into that the words of Jesus cut across and I wonder today where do the words of Jesus offend you that 's another talk, but it is an important point. So Jesus shows up in his home church, the service is happening. This is not like this church. There are no Bibles on the seats. Um, The Bible is not a thing yet. It looks like scrolls rolled up and big leather bound things in the corner. And uh, Jesus stands up to read and the priest passes him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. This old school, gnarly Old Testament prophet. 66 chapters of some of the most crazy stuff in the scriptures. Now again, this is a little bit of detail that is important, I think, if you're trying to imagine what this setting and scene was like. Isaiah in the scroll is not organized neatly into chapters and verses and little headings. It is literally just a scroll of text, all of it. And the priest hands it to Jesus. No doubt there is awkward silence As he's trying to find the part that he wants to read. And he gets down through it. And he opens it up and comes to these words that we have just read. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Um, This was fun for me as I was thinking about this earlier in the 930 that 2,000 odd years ago in a synagogue in uh, Galilee, the exact same words that you've just listened to were read exact same words, by Jesus himself. And in Luke 4, if you read it later, you'll notice this funny little verse after he reads Isaiah 61, it says he sat down. Now, when you read that, you think, uh, old school preacher technique, he's just gonna let the text speak for itself. Say it, read it. And then just let it land. That's complete uh, baloney really. What's happening is in the synagogue you stood to read the scripture and then you sat down to teach it. And so it says that he sat down because now he's going to teach it. And he says these words. He sits down, he begins to teach and he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That... Today, this prophecy, this thing that hundreds of years ago Isaiah prophesied would one day happen, it's now happened. That's what they find so offensive, and there's anarchy, and they want to actually kill him. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus was a master communicator. And this isn't in the text, but I am completely certain of this that as he stood up to speak in his home church, the rumors of him were swirling everywhere, not least in his own head and heart. And part of what I think Jesus is doing in this moment is answering the questions that were associated with the rumors Who is this guy? What's really going on here? How are we to understand Joseph's son saying and doing what he's doing? And Jesus says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because God has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The spirit of God is on me. God has anointed me and I'm here to proclaim good news to the poor. These words were the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And a really important thing for us to understand is the ministry of Jesus did not end with the ascension of Jesus. That Jesus entrusted his ministry to those who follow him, that would become known as the church, the body of Jesus. That the ministry of Jesus is supposed to continue. In the church of Jesus that we are literally supposed to embody the ministry of Jesus. There's a um, funny relationship to a New Testament biblical uh, lens of yourself that we have in Northern Ireland. And it really comes from our kind of uh, cultural sin of getting too big for your boots. I mean it's like the worst thing could ever possibly happen to you that you would be seen to be a bit big for your boots. And so uh, we have this thing where we do, where we like to think that God is way up here and we are way down here. And so long as God stays up there and we stay down here, life works. Except that whenever we're in Christ, we become a new creation and uh, the New Testament says that we become a temple for the Holy Spirit. And so there's this funny thing where God's not trying to make you too big for your boots. He's just trying to get you to see yourself accurately, which is that you are beloved and entrusted and anointed to do things with and for him. Now, having God up here and me down here, that feels much more comfortable because God has to do everything. But actually the work of the Holy Spirit is to get us in confident humility to inhabit our Christ-bought identity as sons and daughters of God. Imagine my kids grow up and uh, someone says, you're Andy Masterson, aren't you? Oh no, I have nothing to do with him. Now that's possibly likely. (laughs) (laughs) But it would really hurt my feelings, right? Right? God's longing for us is that we would inhabit yes with humility but yes with confidence who he says we are. That we would be those who could with confidence and humility say God's spirit is upon me. He has anointed me to be good news to the poor. Now, I wonder what do you think it looks like to have God's spirit rest on us? How does someone behave when they're anointed by God? Not long after I started dating Dana, we went back to South Carolina to visit her family. And uh, we had a quiet uh, Saturday morning and her mom was watching God TV and it was a T.D. Jake's sermon from the Potter's House. For any of you who don't know who TDJX is or what the Potter's House is, it's a mega church somewhere in the south. And uh, TDJX is a phenomenal communicator and he was fully lit. And I had never really seen much like this before and was captivated. And I'm watching the sermon and this man and the number of handkerchiefs that were wiping sweat off his bald head. It was, it was quite a, the whole thing was amazing. I'd never seen anything quite like it. And then something happened. Out of there, there's a massive TV. In the corner of the TV was one of the aisles in the building. Now, the building is huge. I don't know if it's 5,000, 6,000, whatever it is. Loads of people can sit in this building. And the aisles for the seats are massive. And in the corner, I, I saw a person appear. And then I noticed that they were running full speed towards the platform. So I was like, whoa, like what is going on here? Is this a terrorist attack? Is this someone giving the preacher some news? Why does nobody else seem to be responding? And the guy came running, like sprinting flat out down the aisle. He like turned and ran across the front of the platform and then exited up the other aisle. Well, I looked at Dan and her mom, like expecting us all to be like, what was that? And they hadn't flinched. Neither had anybody else seemingly in the service. So I said, can can we pause this? And her mum was like, yeah, yeah. So I paused it. And I said, did you not see that? And they said, see what? And I said, can I rewind it? And she said, yeah, yeah, just rewind it. So I rewinded it and played it again and watched them. And they watched. And it happened again. And they said nothing. I said, hold on. Rewind again. I said, look in the corner. And you see the guy sprint down and run across this thing and out again. And I paused it. And I said... What is that? And Dana's mom said something that I've never heard before or since, truthfully. She said, oh, he's just running it off. (laughs) Okay, and we watched the rest of the sermon. Here's the thing. Whenever we imagine in our own lives What would it feel like or look like for the Spirit of God to rest on us? Or How does anointing behave? I think sometimes we think of stuff like that and being, you know, generally good Northern Irish folk, that looks a bit big for your boots. We think of God's Spirit resting on us or anointing, behaving in these kind of weird and wonderful, and I'm not saying anything against that. If you ever feel the urge to run around in here, just warn me first so I don't kick you in the head thinking you're attacking me or something. I believe in physical manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I just don't think they are the only evidence of God resting on us. And you see, sometimes we can think that God's spirit resting on us or his anointing being in us looks like euphoric worship services or people falling down when we pray for them. Again, I don't have a problem with either of those. In fact, especially euphoric worship services, quite like them. But we're in trouble when our lens is that is how we measure God's spirit or his anointing. Because Jesus said that God's spirit rested on him and God's anointing was in him for a purpose, to proclaim good news to the poor. That these charismatic expressions that we believe in and don't have a problem with are not evidence that God's spirit is upon us or his anointing within us. The evidence is Are you good news to the poor? When you walk into a room, is it good news? Look slightly shadily at the person sitting beside you. When you walk into a room, is that good news? Because that is what anointing is for. That we are to be good news if you want to see who God's Spirit is on, if you want to define anointed, find those who are spending their lives being good news to the poor. God's Spirit being poured out, His anointing being upon us, is not for... Charismatic capes or private jets or followers on Instagram. It is for the poor. So maybe let me change the question. Is your presence good news to those around you? Is your presence good news? You see, it's easy to read the word poor through solely an economic lens. And of course, there is an application of that. But Jesus' life was spent with every single class and demographic of person. How often do we see the materially rich relationally bankrupt? Poverty can be financial, can be relational. It can be mental, physical, spiritual. Let me ask you this question. What part of your life feels impoverished right now? What part of your life feels like it is in poverty right now? Jesus has good news for you. You see, every room you enter, every meeting you're in, every person you bump into, as parts of their lives that need good news. Need good news. I don't know what your relationship with the actual news is, but you'll notice there's not a lot of good in it. And one of the things that I think as followers of Jesus we have to be so careful about all the time is that we don't just get swept up into what's normal around us and being negative, being cynical, And complaining. That's the water we swim in every day. Dana and I were uh, working on some stuff that's coming for Lent this week. And I'm stealing her thunder here a little bit. But uh, she has this idea to challenge us all to give up moaning for Lent. (laughs) To take that into your schools and offices and places of work. What would it look like if your staff room gave up moaning. Would you have anything to talk about? (laughs) I just listened to you, Dean. (laughs) It's so easy for us to be swept up in a culture that loves to complain and moan. Now listen, I am really aware that the moment we find ourselves in as a society is hugely complicated and very challenging. That there are very real problems out there that need real solutions. So this is not a kind of rallying cry. Let's all just become naive and live in the clouds of like God's good all the time and ignore that like things are genuinely difficult out there. But it's about inhabiting a space in conversation with people where we occupy a different atmosphere and we carry different news. Where we are able to look at people and think, how can I be an encouragement to you right now? Yeah, I mean, we can talk about what the government is or isn't doing, and that may or may not be appropriate for what we can actually do, but what would it look like for you to encourage one person every single day this week? Just one. That is so um, countercultural to the world we live in right now. Pete Laverty, our dear friend, Martin Lou, does this thing whenever he gets into um, conversations with people and they start complaining where he just stops talking. <laughs> if you're in a conversation with Pete and he's not talking, you better think quickly what you're saying. But I want to go further than that. What would it look like for you to prioritize being good news in conversations this week? With your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, to not deny that things are difficult, but to find ways of being good news, saying things that put courage in people, that build faith in people, that help people hang on through the hardest times in their lives. That is what God puts his spirit on us for That's what his anointing is for, that we would be a people that would occupy and proclaim different news. That no matter how bad it gets, undentable hope is accessible and available and a reality for our inner lives. And we can take that to the people around us. Andy and Michael, why don't you come back up? God's spirit being in us, his anointing on us is for the proclamation of good news to those who need it. And before uh, we run off full of passion and excitement to be good news wherever you're going this week, because I know that's exactly how you're feeling right now. Let me out of here, Andy. I want to go encourage somebody. (laughs) Before we do that, my hunch is there are many of you that need Jesus to be good news for you in your lives right now, in your families, in your marriages, in your places of work, in your normal lives. And the beautiful thing is that as we get to be good news for the people around us for those of us who love and follow Jesus we get to experience him being good news for us and that is what fills us over and over and over again as we go on that journey of being that same good news to other people the coming of Christ was not for the elite for the cleaned up success stories for the sordid souls who have it all together he came for those who need good news whose hearts need bound up, whose eyes need opened up, whose lives need freed up. And so this year, I would love us to start as we mean to go on, which is in a humble declaration of Jesus, I need you. Come be good news for me. If you're able, please stand. We'd love, to, um, we'd love to pray for each other this morning, or this afternoon, as we do this. And so um, Andy and Michael are going to lead us, and I would just love to welcome you to come forward as an um, embodiment of what we're saying, that Jesus, I want to start this year as I mean to go on with a recognition that I need you to be good news for me. And of course you can do that where you're sitting, like there's no magic up here, we say this all the time, (laughs) Um, but it is sometimes just a really helpful way to put in your body what's happening in your heart. And that's one of the reasons why life with Jesus doesn't work for lots of us, because what's going on in our heart never actually makes it into our body, and um, that's a really important part of, you know being good news saying things that are encouraging having a smile on your face whenever you're talking to people those sorts of things are important and uh, if you'd love someone to pray with you or you just want to have a moment before Jesus at the start of this new year where you say Jesus I just want you to know that I need you and I'm recognizing that then as the band leaders, we'd love to invite you to just come forward and uh, we're not going to do like a proper prayer team here and we'll just those of us that feel comfortable doing that I'll just move around you and lay hands on you and bless you and pray for uh, the good news that you need to be a reality in your soul uh, in this moment so let me pray for us as Andy and Michael lead us Holy Spirit come come And Jesus, I ask for my friends that you would come in this moment and be good news to them. Be good news in their marriages. Be good news in their bodies. Be good news in their minds. pray especially for those of you who have positions of responsibility and leadership in our community. Jesus, be good news to them. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to embody the things that we say we believe. That our lives are full of hope full of faith, full of love. Come now, come now. The guys are going to lead us. I encourage you to just respond as uh, we worship together.